Today's episode of Chunky Glasses, the podcast, is brought to you by the Indivisible Guide, a practical guide for resisting the Trump agenda. It's a team made up of former congressional staffers uh, revealing their best practices for making Congress listen. That sounds like something we're all interested in, right? Right. Uh, you can donate to this group on their page at www.indivisibleguide.com. You can follow them up on Twitter, which is at Indivisible Team. Uh, we follow them. So if you just look at our followers, you can get it like that. They have weekly calls. They have put out emails. They, they make uh, videos. They, they, they're keeping you informed so you can, uh, as the kids say, stay woke and, uh, we can maybe get some shit done. So that's Indivisible Guide. Uh, they are awesome. And now let's get on with the show. Here and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man leaves. Nearly a two word review just said shit sandwich. I will roll the record up for the next That right there is a Hi there, fellow music lovers. We're glad you could join us in the basement yet again for a, uh, a rather exciting adventure of Chunky Glass of the Podcast. You know me, I'm your host, Kevin, and uh, this is a very special edition uh, for a couple of reasons. One, I'm not on it. This is the only time, before and after our discussions, and this is the only time you're going to hear my voice. Uh, that's for a couple reasons, mainly because uh, Pollen has taken me out of the, of the loop here temporarily, uh, but... Uh, the other reason is because the album we're going to be talking about, The Chainsmokers, if you read the title correctly, and yes, you did read the title correctly, uh, Memories Do Not Open, I felt required a little, uh, little uh, tenderer touch on the criticism or discussion. Uh, this is one of those explainer podcasts, and I could think of nobody better to do this than uh, Marcus Dowling and Ed- Eduardo Nunez, not that, uh, not that bastard in Congress, he's not related, so don't worry, kids. Um, and... Uh, so what we're going to do here today is we're just going to talk about this album that is, at this point in time, the worst-reviewed album of 2017. And that's not why we're talking about it. Why we're talking about it is to find out, like, A, if it should be, but B, you know, what makes this type of music tick? What makes it work for people? Explore the ins and outs of it, uh, where it came from, give you a little background on it. You know, because people like pop music and... uh and that it is. It's pop music. It also, a lot of people say it's basic pop music. But that's, a, you know, so what? Does it hurt people? I don't know. We're going to talk about it. Uh, does it dilute the landscape? I don't know. We're going to talk about that, too. It is, it's out there. It is part of our fabric. And, and uh, you know, we are better as music fans and as uh, appreciators of art if we don't just cast away stuff. You know, out of hand, that we try to understand it. So if you hear it and you think, like, this is not my thing, which I'll tell you, this is not my thing, uh, you know, at least after listening to this, uh, I believe, thanks to the remarkable work of Marcus and Eduardo, that you will know why. So um, we're not going to play a track this week. There's a lot, there's a, there's a big information dump. And you are going to hear a few Chainsmokers songs. 
So if that is a uh, trigger warning or if that uh, you're allergic to that or something, I'm telling you up front, it's going to happen. Uh, so if you're ready, we're going to head on down to the basement, and you guys are going to spend some time with my good friends Marcus and Eduardo talking about the Chainsmokers album, the worst-reviewed album of 2017, uh, Memories Do Not Open. So, Marcus, we finally got rid of Kevin. I know. I can't believe it. Like, this is it's incredible. Fi- it's finally just us, dude. I, I'm so ready, man. This is this has been a long time coming, and what a record to have, to have without Kevin in the room. This is wonderful. Uh, it, it has an ellipsis in the album listing, although it doesn't appear on the cover art, interestingly. But it is right. Memories Do Not Open by the Chainsmokers. Yes. Um, A.K.A. Marcus's favorite band. They, they and- I, I feel very passionately about the chain smokers because they get they get a bad rap because you can't expect anything more from artists than them being their own best unique selves now their own your own best unique self could be blood orange and you could be mm-hmm. just a brilliant you know artist a from redeemable, the UK. talented interesting right right, right, yeah. right. or Something you good. could be drew and you know alex and be dudes who went to college in new york and got into music in the height of the EDM era, and it was like, cool, all right, we're going to make some EDMs, and we're going to play some musics, and see what the hell happens. And um, and what the hell happened is that they basically are taking over the world. Right. Um, they are icing the world. Yes. They're they are moving shitty product <laughs> based on <laughs> an unfortunate gimmick. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, uh, it's, not, it's not shitty. Well, it's, 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 again, it's exactly, okay, so I'll say this too. If you mm-hmm. had like, uh, okay, so let's say like the height of making like electronic dance music, you get like anybody who makes like Detroit techno, like Kevin Saunderson or somebody, okay. height of that style or like Avicii even, the okay. height okay. of like making like really mainstream electronic music. These guys maybe have one half almost now, of the experience of these guys. And they don't have the organic background with it. These aren't guys who necessarily spent like 27 years of their life, whatever, hanging out in nightclubs. Right. You know, they... they, they I think the the article you just sent me, they said their first EDM shows were in like the late 2000s. Yeah, exactly. Like 2008 or 10 or something. They don't have that breadth of experience. Like usually with electronic music, you find people that are like of the scene, like Richie Houghton, like... Went yeah, from yeah, right. Plastic Toronto Man. and yeah, yeah, yeah. came across the border and had to be like yep. the white guy in a room with like a hundred black people and deal with that and be accepted by a culture and then be able to like make the music. I am, I am, I am here for Richie Houghton. Right, as am I. <laughs> yeah, but that's not the chain smokers. They're just like, oh, well, EDM so, is cool. So the girls are hot. So help me with that because we're we're, we're doing this as an explainer. Yeah. in which I am the uh, layperson who does not understand. Or, or maybe just someone who could understand if he still took the right yeah. drugs, but I, I, I don't anymore. Right. And so, right. um, this is all a little confusing to me. So, so situate the chain smokers okay. in within kind of the EDM right. scene. So at this point. their era would be the time around, uh, would be around the time when, uh, Swedish house mafia kind of blew up mm-hmm. and became a thing. So you're around, uh, one, that song with Pharrell yep, that yep. everybody listened to. And then yep. Bloghouse is popular. So you have like a track and, 
Diplo still is the, the, the man behind MIA. Right, right. So you have that kind of stuff going on, and you, you have, like, underground scenes happening in L.A. and Brooklyn and D.C. and Baltimore and Miami, and all this is kind of, like, bubbling up. And you also have, importantly, on the mainstream side, you have the, the death of big rock. Mm-hmm. You have rap selling every record ever. Right. So, like, all of the rap records are selling. Right. And especially regional rap, especially Atlanta rap, true, and especially true. Houston rap. And then, and then and then sitting up on top of everything, we still have Ed Sheeran right now. Exactly. Right. <laughs> okay. Jesus. Yeah. But yeah, so I mean, that's that's their era when they kind of come into this. And, you know, like a lot of people, the thing is with the Chainsmokers that makes them unique and intriguing is that they could be any two other dudes. I believe that. Like, like the guys of Flostradamus. <laughs> that, is, that, is that is a good take, I yeah, think. <laughs> the guys of Flostradamus were two dudes named, like, Josh and Kurt from Chicago. Okay. Josh and Kurt, a white guy and a black guy who had an indie dance night in Chicago. Just hang out. And- Diplo is a guy named Wes from Jacksonville, Florida, who loved records so much that he then... Uh- Graduated from college and moved to Philadelphia to start okay. getting into the get, being able to buy mass quantities of records cheaply in a city that is known for having a giant used record scene. Right, Wes, uh, just uh, a dude named I'd, Wes. Okay, so I definitely did not know that about. I think if I were Diplo, I'd still go by Wes. Right, just just a, a dude, just a dude named Wes, and you know, like not a strong the guys who invented Moombatone is. Dave Vegas and Matthew Nordstrom, but uh, and, like, and just so for Dave and, and Matt, like so for so all of these precursors, Drew. Yeah, I'm not. I'm. I'm. I don't call him Drew, and I'll. I'll tell you why in a sec. But um, dudes. But so for all of these precursors, there's um, the hope for legit crossover success is probably slim to none. Yeah, is that right? gonna outside I mean, of outside outside of their scenes? Like, and, and so and so that's sort of a question I have is like. There's this problem whenever you have a crossover act that's supposed to be representative of right. the scene. And I think one but of my questions are. here. So, so, so that's my question is, is, is were there EDM gatekeepers there to keep these guys from crashing the party? No, and did they, they fail okay. or, did, or did these guys actually so earn their place? Here's what's funny about EDM. Um, EDM didn't blow up in New York City. Okay. EDM blew up in America and every other place but New York City, organic to mainstream. Okay. So in all these other cities, there's an organic local scene that like allows you to come up through its roots and there's gatekeepers at every step along the way that will like cut you off the knees and drop you to the bottom if you know like you're like illegitimate in any way. In New York City, especially Manhattan, Brooklyn, mm-hmm. I mean Manhattan less Manhattan less so than Brooklyn. Manhattan okay. is very much the place where Chase workers come from because if they had come up through Brooklyn, they would have been chopped off at the knees a hundred different times okay. by everybody in Brooklyn. <laughs> like that's like a track and the catch dubs at uh fool's gold. That's dropped the line at trouble and base. That's like there people is the entire mix pack label family. Like there's people who are alive, like legitimate actual roots that are deep in like all different types of dance music Okay, who will happily just cut you off and just, you're not going to get up too far past their standard. Okay. Um, Manhattan wasn't really like that because you had a lot of kids who were going out. Bros? Oh, definitely bros. <laughs> okay. Because you have like... The finance biggest, bros? No, not finance bros. You have hipster bros. Okay. You have the bros who came in at the tail end of the hipster thing when the hipster thing became cool. Mm-hmm. When, you know, like Diplo's 
indie dance tracks became the soundtrack the movies when right. Pineapple Express has Paper Planes on the soundtrack. Right, 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 right. That era, like, it's like, right. ooh, this indie dance thing is cool, and, and drugs are fun, and this is awesome, and you can have a scene anywhere. You can just put up a party in a bar, and it's awesome. And that's what happened in Manhattan. And that's where the chain smokers come from, because they had residencies at a lot of, like, bars in Manhattan. And, and I mean, important to this as well is that they're both college graduates. Right. Like, Drew went to... One of, one of them studied abroad in Argentina. That's how he got into electronic <laughs> music. <laughs> right. Like, Drew went, to, Drew went to Syracuse. It was in their music, uh, industry, pro, in their music industry program. Uh-huh. And uh, Alex went to NYU. And, 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 and true story, Alex um, became a music manager. Yeah. Do you know who his inspiration was? Do you know what... what who? Ari Gold from Entourage. But of course. He wanted, <laughs> but of course. He, wanted, he, he, he was so moved by that character. It just yeah. spoke to him on such an right. important level that it's, he thought, that's who I need to be. Right, but that's the thing. Which, so you, which covers about 30% of their fan base, I think, is, is active, totally, people who actively watch Entourage. Totally, completely. Because, okay. okay, so you have this weird thing where like kids who watch Entourage uh-huh. and ice each other routinely. Bros. Exactly. Or like introduced to like all of this like strange cultural stuff that has nothing to do with them explicitly like it, it has no it has it has less to do with them yeah. than it does with the hipsters who are already dabbling in it because you have like you know like these the, you have kids coming into like underground culture who are definitely not underground kids because it's cool right. and right. kids just want to do cool shit so it's like i'm gonna go to this rave because it's supposedly cool and i saw a thing on mtv about a track and he's playing here so i'm gonna go and then when you go back to your hometown or you go back to wherever you are you're like wow there's a bar on this corner and they have a shitty sound system just like that place that i went to in philly or brooklyn or somewhere else and wow and they tell you that djing is not that hard anybody could be a dj and anybody could produce so it's like as well and then if you Uh, go to the mp3 blogs yeah and you just scrape them and download every single track you don't have to be able to mix either. So these guys, these guys kind of rose up by learning how to how to sort of maximize their hype machine game. Yeah, right? they basically they basically figured out how to game every music blog aggregator out there yeah. to and like also they increase to their be, impact score. Right, and right? they happen to be in New York City. Right. Which again, understanding that is is not Brooklyn. It's it's more Manhattan. So there wasn't a thing in Manhattan. There wasn't that underground scene full of tastemakers who were kids. All of the big dance people in New York City and in Manhattan are like big time dance people who really give negative 40, 40 fucks about anybody at the bottom. Like right. they're not looking down. They're not going to a random bar on the Lower East Side to like scout for talent. Like that's not well, even a thing. Well, and I think the other kind of um, and and we're sort of hinting at it a little bit, but, but it's difficult to talk about this band without talking about sort of the millennial bro, the urban, totally right. Yeah. The, uh, millennial bro. That guy. And, and, and one thing, because we're the same age, just yeah. about like, mm-hmm. uh, one thing that's always been different about like American, the American indie scene yeah. versus, uh, Europe is that yeah. European indie kids go to clubs. Yeah. And, and, and like, Growing up in the '90s, like raves sort of became a thing. Of course, but if you were into like, if you were in the DC hardcore scene at all, if you were into yeah. alternative rock or whatever, you didn't you didn't go to clubs. It just right. wasn't something that happened, and that changed completely post Gen X. Like yeah. every generation after Gen X, routinely goes to clubs. Like but, like the club 
night is a thing that they do. It's, and it, and much again, more so than anyone that I know in my age. And room. and there's a weird corollary here to like DC in the sense that like DC had to do this hipster thing in bars. Like, because there were no dance clubs with good enough sound systems, so, right. like, this has to stay doing a dance night. And also, like, you know, Nation had died, and, you know, like, right. Tracks was no longer there, so there's, like, not those, those iconic clubs aren't there. So you're like, all right, Nation. cool. Yeah. 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 So you're like, all right, I'm not gonna, I can't go out to this club, so I'm gonna go to this bar. And we're gonna, right. in gender, we're gonna create this scene at a, in, a, in a bar, and then we're gonna go, and these are all the kids who don't go out to, like, you know, like, or whatever, Ibiza, they don't go out to clubs. Right. They right, just, right. So they know that, like, they like this music, and they find it in a bar. Then eventually, there there becomes a space, because there's so many kids doing this, where there needs to be a club. And then a club like You Street Music Hall comes along, and it's like, okay, now we have a club. And now we're going to introduce kids to club experiences. And these kids only know to follow the sound. So there's there's still no organic reason for them to go to a club. No, none whatsoever. It's just them following the sound. And where do we find the sound now? Oh, the club? Do we know how to even act in a club? Do we even know what club clubbing is? Do we understand, like, the history of this? Do we understand that, like, gay people go to clubs and that black people go to clubs and that Latinos typically go to clubs? And this are, like, this is a very hetero, like, pro-culture. yeah. And and yeah. and and what's amazing to me is how little of that diverse club scene you're describing actually comes through in their music. And, right. And and so and so to that effect, we're gonna we're gonna. I, I guess this is the new single. There's a video for it. I haven't yeah. seen it yet. It's a song that makes no narrative sense. <laughs> Paris. We were staying in Paris to get away from your parents, and I thought, wow, if I could take this in a shot right now, I don't think that we could work this out out on the terrace. I don't know if it's fair, but I thought, how could I let you fall by yourself? Well, I'm wasted with someone else. If we go down, then we go down together. They'll say you could do anything. They'll say that I was clever. If we go down, then we go down together. We'll get away with everything. Let's show them we are better.
I'm going to go by uh, Dodge Stratus and put a Paul Walker tribute uh, sticker on it and oh, blast that song. Absolutely. That is, that is, that is the end. Uh, I mean, it's nice because now I have something to listen to while I read the chive and wear my uh, Keep Calm and Chive On <laughs> gear around. Oh, dude. Um, uh, I don't do those things. I'm not a bro. So if, if, for, for, if any listeners don't really know uh, what these guys sound like, that is, that is about as close as you can get to a template for just about every song of theirs. It starts with a slow kind of breathy chorus and atmospheric mm-hmm. synths, and it kind of picks up a little bit. And then there's like, and the, the verses are maybe four lines long. Like it's, yeah. it's, you're lucky to get an ABAB rhyme scheme. Um, yeah. you, you probably won't. Yeah. And then you go into a pre-chorus and a chorus, mm-hmm. um, which are about four times as long as the verse that just led to it. Um, and then you get a weird little EDM type breakdown, which is usually the best part of the song. Uh, right. then you get a second verse, which usually borrows at least two lines from the first verse. Like it's incredibly repetitive. Then you get the pre-chorus again, the chorus, another EDM breakdown, and then about five or six more choruses. So here's what's funny. There's rarely, if ever, a third verse in these songs, Marcus. Why is there no third verse? Okay, I'll, I'll break it down. Um, we know we always do those Nashville albums down here. Mm-hmm, They're mm-hmm. like songwriters who have like 25 years of experience. Yep, yep. And like really understand like the art of songwriting and like have written all of the great songs. Nobody on this album has done any of that. How did, how did they, I mean, they managed to squeeze the life out of Florida Georgia Line. Like, they managed to make Florida well, Georgia Line sound again, old and boring and... It's like, there's a very narrow template. The one thing that the blogosphere did uh-huh. was that, and this, this, this is the thing that's wholly created by the blogosphere. Like, we, we, we talked about everything. But if you look at the, the, the blogosphere, like, on, a, on like a human scale, like, me as an African American who's almost 40 years old, I represent point negative five percent of the of the people that wrote about this music for like the better part of a decade. You have young kids, typically women, who okay, are under the age of twenty five, okay, between like sixteen and twenty five, who are just writing not critically about music, but writing passionately about things that they like, about feeling good when they listen to music. So okay. if you look through everything through that lens, when you write a song, you create, you create around first the one or two things that the person that's listening to this song typically, which is going to be a blogger first, you're writing yeah, this for the right, blogger right, right. first because you need to get pressed for it. Right. Because there's no, there's no PR budget if you're like an independent rising artist, even if you're the chain smokers and have access to like Sony and all this stuff, like, you know, Disruptor Records is distributed by Sony. Even still, you're still writing it in this narrow prism of like, we need to capture the mind first of the writer or the person that's going to hear this. Then we're going to, hopefully, when this person that is not the writer, but the person that's reading the blog post sees it, then they're going to hear it. And we need to repeat that thing. Then introduce the thing for somebody who listens to this song more than 30 seconds. So if you get to like a minute, a minute and a half in this song, that's when you start to see it spread. Well, I, I remember reading an interview with, I think it was Max Martin, saying that he doesn't understand why people think um, 80 songs are so catchy and such good pop songs, because it takes at least a minute to get to the chorus. And yeah. for him, that's like criminal, which is, right. which is, its, own, which is <laughs> its own issue. But, so, but so, so, so that leads me to another question, which is, these guys had two very successful EPs. Mm-hmm. Um, they, in fact, before they ever put an album out, I think they said only Justin Bieber and Drake 
could yeah. hold a candle to what they had accomplished. Totally. Which is which is which is an inaccurate statement in just about every possible interpretation yeah. of, unless you're, unless of you're playing words the, that are used in the English language. Unless you're playing the Spotify game. <laughs> and and, which is what they and, are. and and that is the question actually. This is these like this is not a successful album. There might be there might be good pop moments on it, but there is no reason for this to be an it's album. Not a, it's no, not an album, There is though. no progression. Right. But so why put it out as an album? They had already put out two EPs. Well, because why, if why you, would when they... you sign to a mainstream label and you're not Drake, then they force you to put out... When you put out... When you decide <laughs> to put out 14 tracks, they force you to call it an album because they don't think outside of the box of 1984. So it's like, okay... Yeah. You well, got to put out your first album and now we're at a place in the industry where albums for any music listener under the age of 30 albums don't matter. Yeah, because it's a, it's a totally a dated concept, right? So, everything's a everything's a big long playlist that either you make or your boyfriend makes or your dog makes. And and given how repetitive and monotonous and kind of sterile this album is, the idea of listening to 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 it continuously for fit like they are the ultimate playlist artist. Like one yeah. song of theirs um in 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 a playlist might not be offensive, but um, having had to sit around and listen to nothing but the Chainsmokers for hours at a time this week, um, I'm 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 really it's it starts it starts to feel like um, the the grade of electronic music that they play in hair salons, you know, which come in like 400 CD bundles, right? It's, it's not like the, yeah, it's not 80 even hours that. of generic electronic music. It's, for, the, it's <laughs> the stuff that they play at Target when Target's trying to sound like their H and M. Yeah, I actually have a really good uh, uh, descriptor um, from uh, my buddy Seneca, who was an artsy skateboarder dude, who says um, uh, he was referencing actually one of your favorite songs um, on this, The Breakup Every Night. It's light, celebratory, EDM-ish fedora music of suburban malaise that sounds like a <laughs> Spotify subscription commercial. <laughs> Anthemic songs of millennial inclusivity and privilege, or rather inclusivity only for the privileged. It's like the millennial takes laziness to another level. That so, a musical act actually being hip is just way too much trouble. Right. I mean, that's so <laughs> true. And it's it's funny, though. We'll break up every night. And we'll get into that in a second. We should. This would be a good time to play it. Um, the funny thing about that song is that it's like fueled by ramen meets EDM. It's like Fallout okay. Boy meets like pop edm and this has not happened yet skrillex was in from first to last and he and even he in his great wisdom never thought to like make a from first to last meets big room house song because some songs don't need to exist in, in <laughs> some, theoretically some do, some right, do. in theory <laughs> interesting like, moment to introduce this idea <laughs> you're like this is a thing that should not work mm -hmm. like i like you know it's like it's like it's like polka and jazz you're like, why would you make a polka jazz song? You could, but that's that's the thing with Break of Every Night. It's like, okay, so we're gonna take two things that, like, in theory, exist. Like pop punk exists, big room house exists. You're gonna smash them together and see what happens. And there's a thing though. The thing that makes like Break of Every Night is good lyrically to me. There's like a couple lyrics in there that just stand out and just hit you over the head. Like, did they really just say that? Like, really? Um, they, they say a lot of dumb things yeah, in the song. And, um, I, I, my much shorter take on this is that this, this song's main accomplishment is that it takes something 
that I really dislike, like 21 Pilots or something, and makes it sound like Philip fucking Glass. Like, it makes it sound <laughs> brilliant and conceptual and accomplished, um, because that's how clumsy I think this song is. So, here we are. song didn't have what a third verse of course it doesn't <laughs> why would it i don't understand why there are no third verses well, okay um, so there's another thing with like with like the chase where we were talking about it before the break and we didn't mean to cut you off but um the thing that makes them great for people that think they're great is that they take and, thank, thank and you for people, the qualifier right and people <laughs> don't and people don't think of it because well you know like people have had to sit around this music like, like i've had to like 10 years of my life they take little snippets like the like the juiciest chunks of like all of these subgenres that have come to exist in the last ten years of electronic music. Like there's like a little bit of future bass and a little bit of boombatone and a little bit of trap and a little bit of like you know some other like a little bit of techno and then there's like a little bit of like this like you know kind of like racing M eighty three specific like house and you put it all together and then you into the world and if you throw the big old tech like the big old trance like white noise over top of it then but, it just like becomes all okay so so here's the thing that um so she wants to break up every night yeah and yet she also wants to fuck him back to life of course these are the, the you can you can write songs that are about conflicting emotions yeah but 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 there has to be a logic within the song that suggests there's a tension and in almost all of these songs if you actually try to understand the action <laughs> of what's no happening, the previous, you know, Paris, they're, they're in Paris to get away from her parents. Right. But they're also fighting. So yes. they got away from her parents so they could fight away from them. Yeah. There's a reference to cutting class in the middle of the song, meaning they're not visiting Paris. They're like studying abroad there yeah. or something like right. that. Right. It just, it literally makes no fucking sense. Like Here, these are, this is using words as placeholders here's the, right, there, for, for generic, like for facsimile of an emotion. It's well, okay. So like, the kids, now that I'm almost 40, mm -hmm. I'll be turning 39 on April 19th, so um, I'll be old man. 
but I'm almost 40. And I have these moments now where like I work around 20 year olds now all mm-hmm. day long in, in everything that I do. And it's like, they're, they're twice as young as me. So it's so weird. And then, um, we'll talk to them and they don't have broad emotions anymore. The kids like, it's like, because of like, you know, just the way the universe is kids are just organically sad now. Oh, Jesus. So, like, they start from a <laughs> this place... Took, this of, took a turn. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it would. Like, it's the, kids start so off... This, we're like, this is like a Father John Misty album. Now. I know, it really is <laughs> at this point. Like, kids start off sad, and then they get, like, incredibly depressed. Then they might take a drug. Actually, they definitely take a drug. And insert a drug of choice, you know, whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then you get lifted back up to this artificial place where you're Okay. And these are, this is like a solid, like I'd say with the kids that I deal with on a daily basis, like 75% of them, uh, you know, I, and that's where they're at. I think, I think the problem with that is that there are, um, there are literally, you know, hundreds of bands that are producing generic pop music that, um, whose songs make sense. Right. Like, you know, like, uh, DNCE or like Bastille, like these yeah. aren't, these aren't songs that I particularly enjoy. But they're songs that, that, that follow a certain logic about songwriting and, and, and emotions. Great, and there's, a, there's an internal logic. These, these songs are, are generally completely devoid. Okay. Here's another. Here's a, yeah. God, I just thought of this. And it's funny that we would bring this up because I want to bring back all of the ghosts. Um, Lily Allen. Okay. When she put out All Right Still in like 2006, I once said about it in 2006. This is long before I was even writing. I was like doing like blog posts. And, um, just like, well, not even blog posts, but I said, like, the album reminded me of if you gave, if you turned a girl's live journal into lyrics Mm -hmm. and you were just like, okay, I'm going to take August the 24th of 2004 and turn it into a song. Cause the, 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 the lyrics flow like sentences, like, you know, like everything and the meter is like a sentence. Um, the chain smokers definitely come from like the Facebook post generation of like you still see like a Facebook post from somebody at like two o'clock in the morning and you're like, Wow, what in the fuck was going on there? Cause it's like just a random what? phrase just throw it up on the wall. And you might even it's the kind of thing that when you wake up in the morning you're like or that person is like, Whoa, I was really fucked up last night. I really yeah. should have said that. I just broke up with my girlfriend on social media. Well, Shit. Well well that's actually one of the worst um, uh, attempts at a rhyming uh, quartet on this record, I think, is the I'm I'm fucked up, I'm faded. Yes, I'm so complicated. Those things that I said were so overrated, but I meant them. I really fucking meant them. <laughs> yeah. So so let's just start with the fact that that's not what the word overrated means. <laughs> Right. Right. <laughs> I mean, he doesn't mean that the things he said were overrated. He he means he overstated some yeah. things or he was he maybe a little dramatic instead of overrated. Yes. And that would still rhyme. Yeah. And then and then and then there's the extra clumsy repetition of the I really meant it line. And the only way to wake it to make it work metrically is to add a fucking in there. Yeah. For no good reason. Right. It, but it's but you, you, you understand that this is incredibly stupid. Oh, I know. <laughs> okay. But, but the okay. thing is, is that, yes, it's incredibly stupid. But like, OK, so. I, I compare I compare the the chain smokers to the to the Beach Boys, and I finally yeah, put this and in I, words. And I, and I do, I do, yeah. yeah I finally put this in words on, on my Medium page, medium dot com slash at Marcus K Dowling. Um, cheap plug. Only one on this episode. <laughs> uh, I normally have like twelve of them, but I only have one tonight. But um, because 
The thing with the with the Beach Boys is that like when Brian Wilson when Brian Wilson wrote Pet Sounds, he got with like the ad guy who understood how to make words land on paper in a way that they could like sell you something. Mm-hmm. None of those people are involved in the making of this album. I, I and and I really have to question why. I well, mean, I mean okay. that's the so this is the clear case of like Sony fucked up here. I don't okay. blame I don't blame the Chainsmokers in any way, shape, or form with this. We're at a point it's... in the music industry where the people who sign artists and do the work behind the scenes just don't have the same level of understanding of what great songwriting is. Like there's not and and there's no real impetus for somebody in pop to say go to Nashville and just buy out, you know, like Margot Price's contract for six months and say, write me 14 pop punk songs for EDM, the EDM crowd. And she could have done that. Blindfolded. Laurie McKenna, get her to write a ballad. Like, hi, just do yeah. it. But this is not, not something that the mainstream music industry is thinking of. So instead you get like, all right, so how are we going to do this cheaply because we don't have any money? Okay, so there's some kids in L.A. who all live in a group house and... Like, we could pay them for, like, 40 songs or 50 songs and just pay them, like, what we would normally pay, like, the average songwriter for, like, three. And we're going to try to cut the rates of this down. And this person just says they're a songwriter, and the blogs say they're good. And their their socials say that they're good. So we could take that buzz and turn it into something. But which is not the same yeah, as like which is which is not the same as as a good song. I mean yeah, I mean I mean the other and they actually lead I mean they got Chris Martin to sing these words somehow. <laughs> I've been reading books of old, the legends and the myths, Achilles and his gold. Achilles was known for being a warrior. Right. I, I took a lot of uh I took like ancient Greek, I studied a lot of classics. Right. Um, Achilles is not associated with gold. So I don't know what the fuck that's about. He wasn't known for being rich, he was known for being a fierce warrior. Um Achilles exactly. and his gold, Hercules and his gifts. And then we go from antiquity to Spider-Man and Batman. Yes. As if these are somehow related to reading books of old. Well, they are, because these kids probably read, okay, if you're, if you're like 13 or 14, when you're in like the 7th or 8th grade, and you read the Iliad or the Odyssey for the first time, or yeah, Greek but mythology, these, but these you're reading this, but you're reading Tobey Maguire Spider-Man to fall back on. Yeah, they but you're Chris reading Nolan's these Batman. at the these same are... time that you're like watching yeah. Batman, probably, or reading Spider-Man. So both of these things... Play it in someone's mind if you're like it's, 26. It, it, it's uh, well, well, so 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 a gift yeah. a, a, a gifted songwriter would be able to to connect Achilles and Batman right um, in a way that actually makes sense. Yeah. But just but 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 implying that they're somehow tied together by books of old, um, and then weirdly saying I don't see myself on that list. Yeah, most people aren't on a list that includes Achilles. <laughs> Hercules, Batman, and Spider-Man. Like it is, it is the most, it is the stupidest way of saying I'm not a superhero or I'm not capable of extraordinary feats. But at the same time, if you're like, also talk about the industry, I'm just gonna throw the industry yeah. under a bus and run it over because fuck it, why not? Um, if you're in this industry, you're not like like Amit Erdogan doesn't work in uh-huh. the music industry anymore, right? Like he just doesn't. You're not gonna right. find right, him. Right. Like like Troy Troy Carter left the industry behind and is now handling Prince's assets. Just to give you a right. sense of where the music industry is, L.A. Reid signed Michael Jackson's voice to a recording contract. That's where the music yeah. industry is right now. Yeah. So what's David Geffen doing these days? Hanging out. 
Spending money, blowing money fast like Rick Ross. But it's like, okay, so you don't you don't have those people, but you do have kids who are idealistic and motivated and excited by music because they think that they're going to one day be all these legendary people that they may or may not know about, but they think, okay, we're going to be legendary. I'm going to be awesome. I mean, this is going to be the album that I am going to contribute to that is going to be the great record. And Oh my God, I know a person that writes songs and I think their songs are fucking amazing. Oh my God. Like I got these songs emailed to me last night (laughs) and they're so good. And did you see that lyric about Achilles? But so, so deep, bro. So deep. Um, all right. So I think, um, I, I could, I could definitely talk about that fucking Coldplay song for a good long while. There is a song here that I think is, is close to being like, competent um and i wrote it down somewhere i think it's young i think i think young is actually lyrically not uh not the worst um and and it does a few interesting things but but and and i I guess that's all i can say to preface it is like i think this is actually somehow the high point of this album and the best thing i can say about it is that it's not terrible (laughs) there you go young we were so young when we thought that we knew how to love Thought about anything, everything that did dysfunction But we just gotta hold that shit Don't let it go like this And maybe we can grow from this, yeah We both know I go too far Like when I wrecked your car And almost fought your father When he pushed me in the yard And all those nights we snuck out Had to meet up at the bar Don't worry, my love, we're learning to love but it's hard when you're young. Yeah, it's hard when you're young. Caught. We were caught up in the high, it was better than drugs. At least we both know that shit We just gotta own that shit I hope that we can go from this, year. We both know I go too far Like when I wrecked your car And almost fought your father When he pushed me in the yard And all those nights we snuck out Had to meet up at the bar Don't worry, my love, we're learning to love But it's hard when you're young I don't I don't know what it says about about me that the only song I can kind of marginally tolerate on this album is about wrecking her car when he's drunk and fighting <laughs> fighting her dad in the yard. But, no, but, but, but after but, his but, dad but, pushed him. Yeah, but the alternatives are, are like um, honest, which is 
garbage <laughs> my type, which I think passes for like a kind of a feminist lib thing. And it's yeah. just about it's just because they both like booty calls. Yeah. Um, something just like this, which we talked about, which right. is which is atrocious breakup every night. I mean, this is not like the the confusing thing about them. Um, Marcus, is that is that closer is uh, I mean, it's a legit. Okay, so we were talking about like how they triangulate all these weird things and they put them together and it's like sometimes they nail it. Mm-hmm. The science that it takes for the chain smokers to work is like extraordinarily precise because you're involving like you have to involve a lot of parts because these are not seasoned musicians by any stretch right. yet. Right. So you have to involve like a lot of parts and a lot of pieces and sample the right things and bring in the right person and have the right hook. Like it has And you, then and then bomb properly at the VMAs when you try to perform the song live for the first time. <laughs> you have to like and you have to like nail it. Well, well for and it that's, to work. And that's also time. a song that did write by by Halsey, who was an yeah. artist that, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, she's I don't particular I mean I don't I don't love her stuff, but I like it and I'm and I I don't root right. against her. And so I'm I'm glad she's getting she's getting paid for that song. Yeah. I mean, that's the big thing. It's like you I I'm, we were talking off mic about this too. The um like, the chain smokers deserve better people around them. Yeah. Because conceptually, they get it. It's like, okay, so we're going to, like, make, like, the songs we need to make need to involve this, 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 and this to work. And on Closer, yeah. bang! And- Boffo! Yeah. Superhuman success level. And it's not a bad song. I'm going it, to, it, it, it also lyrically doesn't make a lot of sense. Like stealing a mattress is actually really complicated. <laughs> like you don't just, you don't just lift a mattress when, when someone looks the other way. Like it takes a lot of effort, especially if you can't afford the, the Rover and right. in the broke down car. But, um, and I'll, I'll just put in a quick shout out for, uh, for Sasha, my wife's theory about the song, which is that it's actually a how to guide for an abusive, uh, kind of, uh, domestic, uh, hostage type situation. <laughs> Um, since we start off with the first verse with him saying, I was fine till I met you, which is this kind of like, you're making me do this to you. And then he isolates her from her friends in the next line. (laughs) She goes four years without a call. In her verse, she has total Stockholm syndrome. She's (laughs) like, it looks just as good as the day that I met you, which can't possibly be true. (laughs) And, 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 and then, and when she says four years without a call, it's like, oh yeah, she's really locked in a basement without (laughs) access to a phone. That's what four years without a call means in that setting. So So, go back and re-listen to it with that in mind. But, but, but I think one reason, because you just alluded to this. So why aren't there better people around them? Um, Halsey does not follow uh, these guys on Twitter. No, because uh, because of an incident that BuzzFeed was they were they were on this beat. So so look this up. But but basically, what happened is um, they had said something nasty about Lady Gaga to Rolling Stone or something like that. Right. They say and, nasty things about everybody because they're trolls like Dead Mouse is a troll. And so and we're going to Dead Mouse in a second. Yeah, so yeah, yeah. um so then so so Lady Gaga then put out her next single and sort of jokingly said, "I hope the Chainsmokers like this one." And Halsey replied to that tweet and said, um, you know, without you, Lady Gaga, I wouldn't be who I am. You're you're everything to me, et cetera, et cetera. So s- seemingly subtweeting the chain smokers. Right. And then um, uh, Andrew uh, Taggart, I said, I yeah. don't call him Drew because he probably prefers to be called that. I'm pretty sure Halsey prefers not to be called a what is it? A ugly, bald bitch and told to fuck off. Yeah. I'm sure Lady Gaga doesn't appreciate being called an ugly hermaphrodite and being told that her deceased aunt is probably being raped in hell, which are things that uh, Andrew Fuckface Taggart allegedly tweeted at both of them. And then he claimed that they were fake. And then someone posted a video where they could click on the tweet and go to his profile. 
And then he claimed he had been hacked. <laughs> of course. <laughs> and, 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 and he sent out about three or four really, really nasty, like, not okay tweets, um, to both of them. And so to the question of why there aren't better people around them, I, I, I can, I can venture a guess. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, it's one of those things that we were talking about, like, like the monkeys. Mm-hmm. Like, the monkeys were backed by the Wrecking Crew, which is, you know, like this legendary yep, yep. West Coast, like, you know, unit of musicians who, they're, they're alchemists in the studio. Yeah, absolutely. Like, they made hits out of everything. Like, they made everything from Hey Hey We're the Monkeys to uh, California Dreamin', a hit. Yep, yep. Also, you know, most of the Jackson 5's early material when, they moved, when Motown moved in the 70s. The, the Chainsmokers deserve that kind of thing if they're going to, like, make the music that they ideally wish to, to make. Because you, you could see all of the pieces there. Like, they're... Like... And, and, a, and I think a, they want genuine artistic credibility. Right. I think I think I think they desperately want that. Right. I know I know people think they're working on some ironic level. I, th- I think they really want to be. You know, you hear them talk about how thrilled they were when Bono wanted to talk to them, or when yeah. Chris Martin came to talk to them. Like the they want they want to be at the top of this. Right. Like Drew went to the you know he went to Syracuse's music school. Right. Right. And you know Alex was a he has a degree in the music industry. For crying out loud, I yeah. mean a degree in the music industry. That's just it's a whole other level of funny to me. <laughs> That that like, is that is a party school degree if ever I heard one. Uh, music industry, <laughs> but yeah. So when so you want to be legitimate, yeah. And they do, they do, they desperately crave it. Yeah, and it's like and, if they want to be that legitimate, then like this record deserves like the most legitimate people you could find. And I understand that like if you're boxed into a label situation, you're like, well, this is what we got. We got like Chris Martin got into the studio and sang these words. Yeah. He didn't write any of these words. Right. He didn't like sit down and like could consult on the, the song process. I mean, and to me, that's the next level. There's a level of like money that has to be put, put, put out. And the music industry doesn't work like this anymore because think about it. Like if this were the music industry in like 1987 and you're mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. we think of uh, new kids on the block. <laughs> okay. New step, kids on the block. Step going by step. Into, yeah. Going into the, <laughs> going into the studio with like the best musicians. Right. We're going to spare no expense right. because these kids have to make hits. Right. In the same way with the chain smokers, you have to go to Nashville and go to the head of the, the office in Nashville and say, we need all your top songwriters ASAP. The chain smokers are making an album. It's going to sell. We're going to recoup all of the money. We, we can't think about the money that we're spending now because commensurate to the money that we're spending now, we're going to push it to the level for it to make all that money back times 10. And if, and you have to have, the ability to believe that like there are artists that can do that because well well well, well, well that's, somebody has to win well right so and that's actually um one of the questions i i, I want to ask you as we maybe think about wrapping this up is where does you know uh, i'm sort of curious about what this means uh, what the impact of this is on edm um how it changes um the way that up-and-coming edm artists are viewed and whether there's sort of edm starts to have a bigger bro problem than uh, uh, than it already does, but 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 really, it's whether anyone is going to try to chase this album because I think that I think that there are enough talented musicians already in the game who would do exactly what you're saying, who would get good songwriters, who would figure out how to actually arrange these pieces and how to and how to make a competent album that tells a story and that and that does something. Right. And and and, and so to me, the bar is set very low if you're if you're a competent EDM uh, totally. musician to beat these guys. I think um, there's a couple of EDM things to think about. Like, 
Skrillex is going to make uh, an actual pop record at some point that's going to make this record look like it was composed by four-year-olds. Is, is Dead Mouse going to troll him too? Or does Dead Mouse troll Mouse trolls everybody. <laughs> okay. That's what he does. But, uh, but Skrillex is a guy to watch if you really want to hear this record done correctly. Mm-hmm. Even like, like if you want to hear that, um, if you want to think of other people, like Diplo at some point has to do, a, has to do an artist record. That's not a major that was, laser that album. Was, that was one of their tweets at Halsey also, was how does Diplo's dick taste? Right. So. Yeah, there it is. You know, They're so. classy gentlemen. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, there's yeah. artists that are Sorry, older. Sorry, alleged tweets. Right. And Andrew smarter, Taggart didn't send those. And able to figure it out, who will, who will look at every mistake that, that the Chainsmokers made here and not make that mistake. And if the record industry has any, any forethought moving forward, you have to almost give these guys a second chance to do this album right like y- you do because this album is going to actually push units in the weird way that streaming a, an, yeah. uh, an album 200 billion times pushes units so it's going to push units so you have to give them a second chance to like do it right and if i was those two guys if i were drew i'd go and find a vocal coach immediately who can give me another register so mm-hmm. that I actually yeah. sound like a like a lead vocalist on a pop album for the leading pop group in the world or whatever. And, you know, if I'm like Alex, I'm like trying to find the songwriter to sit with and go, OK, like, how do I do this? And try to find the arranger to sit with that says, how do I do this? Because it's like these are dudes who are just duding out and making dude bro EDMs in their in their bedroom. And then it's like, you guys are superstars. Oh, OK. <laughs> And now it's like the next level of evolution has to take place, but it's not going to kill EDM. I think that um, EDM is in a good place right now because um, there are there are techno artists, namely female techno artists, who do things like play Echo Stage as like acts right beneath the main act, like Anna Luno, who's from mm-hmm. Australia, who's a name to watch. She just played before this guy Baker Matt. She was like right okay. underneath him, like in a premium position. And okay. there's like a bunch of other labels that are all pushing women and pushing genres of music also as well that have nothing to do with sounding like you know car alarms and crunching crashes and 2002's trap music like there's a lot of like interesting stuff going on so i feel like this album is at like the end and shows like the end of the very defined end of an era of course there'll be people who still people there will still be people making big room house and trap and dubstep and heavy bass music but now that kind of like seeps back to the underground again. And the stuff that's in the mainstream is, you know, funky, fun, actually danceable music. Not music that you jump up and down to. But that's a cyclical thing. Let the record show I was nodding as, as if I know what all those genres are and what so, all those yeah, <laughs> labels mean. You know, but yeah, I was just, yeah. you know, it's just, you know, I just want to make sure that I throw that out there for people so that if they, if they listen to this and they want to like find stuff that's not the chain smokers, there's a lot of stuff out there that's not the chain smokers. Like, a lot of stuff and the thing that this era did was that it opened the door to like people being willing to like do either the dumbest or smartest thing they could think of musically i mean this record falls definitely in that line of like we're gonna come up with like the dumbest ideas we can think of and we're gonna like run with this thing as legitimately as possible and they did. That's what, half, they, that's what half a million dollars worth of educational get. There it is. <laughs> and they ran as far as fast as they could, as far as they could, right into a brick wall. That's what happened on this record to the Chainsmokers. They uh, ran into, literally, they, they finally ran into the brick wall. It was going to happen at some point. 
And they, they missed it on Roses. They missed it on Kanye. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. missed it. They, they, you know, selfie, they jumped the fence. Like, now they finally, because they had to put out 14 songs at the same time. That might be a problem with it, too. Yeah, I, 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 I think... I. I, I don't think this is, you know, they, they had said, uh, that, um, they would only put out an album if there were overwhelming demand for it. I'm not convinced that there, that there ever was overwhelming no, demand for this. No, I think they could have continued to put out one or two, two or songs. three songs. Yeah. Right. And, and, that, and, and maybe if they'd only released five or six songs this year, we would have something close to another closer, but yeah, no, none but of this. this is. I, I mean, I mean, and, and, and I think that's, you know, I was, I was sort of, you know, I, their reputation precedes them. And, and I, yeah. and I had approached this album thinking, um, that this is just going to be this like unbearable level of awfulness. And I was actually surprised by how kind of shy and sort of boring I thought yeah. most of it was. That was, I think that's, you know, it's not even like, it doesn't even have enough personality to be offensive properly. <laughs> right. Like they, and that, and that says something about this, this scene right now too, is that like, as these artists grow from like pop stars to making like serious albums they have to learn how to like have personality outside of the music, like the music, oh, yeah. the music. Okay. So like Diplo, for instance, the music created the personality. So it's like, okay, Diplo makes like these cool, crazy, sexy, hot, funky, funny tracks. Mm -hmm. And suddenly Diplo was cool, sexy, hot, funky, and funny. Right. Now Wesley right. Fence, we don't know what he is. Yeah. Right, right, right. <laughs> but like, that's why he has yet to make the serious record because there's no, because for him to do that means that he has to leave behind a thing that makes a lot of money. So that's yeah. something to think about. All right. So I don't I don't know that we've that this was uh, successful as an explainer format, but I do appreciate you giving me a little bit of that. Uh, oh, context absolutely. So I can, I'll, I'll, I'll explain the trade spokers all day long so I can make a little bit more sense of these guys. I, 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 I I'm going to I'm going to ask you a leading question, which is you love the shit out of this album, don't you? I love the <laughs> shit out of this album. God, I love the shit out of this album. Because it's like it's it's a glimpse into like I I I accept the flaws of people who make EDM because I understand the limitations they have as compared to like people who have made giant mainstream serious music in generations before. So I'm willing to like give I'm willing to let them like lose in an epic way, mm -hmm. which mm -hmm. they do on this record. As long as you show the promise of like. If 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 the industry gives you access to all of the right tools, I trust it. I think they know what to do with those tools. But given the tools they were given, they did the best that they could, which is not great, and it's not terrible, but it's some really boring place in between. But yeah, I love the shout out. So that sounds that sounds like a buy to me. <laughs> I, I tell you, I tell you to stream it like ten yeah. times, and then make the decision whether or not you want to buy it. Fair enough. Um, I am going to probably never listen to the Chainsmokers again until they're on the next Taylor Swift record, I yeah, guess, at which point I'll have to listen to them. You don't and, have a choice. Uh, <laughs> World domination. So there you are. Uh, this is, as, as Apple Music has been telling us, this is the sound of world domination in 2017. The Chainsmokers' memories do not open.
The Chain Smokers Memories Do Not Open is available wherever you can buy records online, physical product, whatever. And uh, like it or not, kids, that's going to sell millions and millions and millions of copies. So uh, I hope you enjoyed that. I hope you big thanks to Eduardo and uh, Mr. Dowling for coming in. Uh, sort of a little bit last minute. We sort of had a plan, but uh, it was really fun to see them do do it without me. I mean, I was I was sitting behind the boards, um, and um, you got like a very different flavor to this thing we do. I mean, you know, we're all like minded music nerds uh, in in our music nerdery, but we all you know attack it from different angles and. And uh, so, like, say for what I might have said about the Chainsmokers, uh, would have colored it very, very differently, and uh, and uh, maybe not as well. In fact, I know not as well because they crushed it. So thanks to them uh, for hanging out and uh, and talking about an album that I know for Eduardo it, it caused a good bit of pain. And uh, if you like that format, hit me up and let me know. It's Kevin at ChunkyGlasses.com. You know, we, we toy around with stuff from time to time and formats, panel sizes, whatnot. And uh, that was really fun for us. So maybe it's something we'll do later. If you're like, hey, you know what? I like that. I like hearing people that aren't you. I'm tired of hearing your fucking voice, Kevin. Then, um, then uh, you know, I'll sit back and I'll turn it over to other people to talk. And maybe, as I've said at the end of these podcasts, I'll turn it over to you if this is a thing you're interested in. Same email address. Hit me up and say, you know what? I'd really like to talk on these mics in this basement in Washington, D.C., and I think I know a lot about music, and uh, maybe we'll see if we can make that happen. Maybe we'll just do a podcast with you. How about that? You email me say, I just want to talk about this album by myself, and uh, we'll get it done. That can be intense. Um, that's our podcast uh, for this week. Like I said, we are not uh, going to play a track here, because I think you got a little enough information clanging around your brain. Um, if you are out and about this week, remember Odyssey is at the 930 Club on, on 420. That's going to be a great show. We reviewed his album, uh, The Iceberg, a couple of episodes back. Make sure you get out to that. And, uh, thank you guys for listening to the YouTube. A lot of you guys listen to the YouTube and, and all, uh, you know, in general, a lot of you guys listen to our Discologist series. And, uh, and thanks for that. You know, I, if, if that's just what you tune in for or if, if you listen to all of them, and you, and you know friends who, who aren't tuning in, uh, maybe suggest one of those. It's an easy way in to say, hey, look, sometimes this podcast is going to get weird, but then sometimes you get to talk about you 2 George Michael's Faith. Uh, we're going to talk about Steely Dan. Later on in the year, we're going to talk about The Grateful Dead. You're going to have a good series on that. Okay, computer. So, so there is stuff that's not as esoteric for you, and, uh, and I think it's sort of fun getting there. So um, that's it. We're going to get out of here. Uh, we'll be back on Thursday with our review of Kendrick Lamar's Damn. Can't wait to uh, tape that. Have not got that in can yet. Going to have a really sweet panel for that. And uh, until then, be good to your ears, but be better to your people. We'll talk to you soon. <laughs> <laughs> Kenobi!